we've got uh, another director of uh, Brassic Whitney uh, on our podcast today, Andrew Liddell. Mate, psyched. Mm. Super psyched. Thanks for having me. It's an exciting day today. It's a very mm. special day. Today is my uh, 24th birthday. Oh, congrats. So we get to Happy celebrate birthday. the birthday in the Brassic Whitney office with oh, a champion agent. And we've got uh, some new podcast equipment, so hopefully the quality is a lot better for everyone. Sounds so good. Sounds appreciate good. your time this morning. No, thanks for coming in. Sweet. Thanks for coming in. Um, mate, I, to be honest with you, we don't know a lot about you. Mm. You're, that's probably, you're very that's, the, that's intentional yeah, it is. from my <laughs> point of view. Is this your first podcast? Mm. I think it might be, yeah. Yeah, uh, wow. yeah, I think it might be. I think it might well, be, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Yeah. All right, so you're one of the top agents obviously in the inner West and um, throughout Australia, really you're doing massive numbers, but you've never been on any podcasts. Mm. No one really like you're flying under the radar in terms of the industry itself. Like mm. you, a lot of the top agents, you know, they're on the Tom Panos podcast are doing all these sorts of things and mm. they've got big social media um, uh, presence, but you're, you're very much flying under the, under the radar. Mm. Is it, is it intentional? It, it is. Uh, and, and, I, and I'm not really sure why I, I wrestle with this a lot because I, I, th I think I, I know that if I did put more effort into it, that then it probably would benefit me, you know, from a profile point of view or uh, from an industry awareness or recognition point of view. I, I suppose that that sort of stuff is not really important to me. Mm. Um, I... Yeah. And I actually have this sort of real aversion to the ego that, that comes with the real estate industry, mm. um, which is why I, I said to my team, I, I've got a new uh, a new PA, Genevieve, she's, she's awesome. And I was asking her her opinion on social media and agents and all that sort of stuff. And and I think I think there's a there's, there's a few things. I mean, it has to be it has to be genuine. I think and and. Um, my, my personality is, is not to be showy or talk about myself or what I do or what I don't do. Like not, none of my mates would have really much awareness. I, mean, th I think they're aware that I'm you know, reasonably good, but I, I don't think they, they understand that, um, you know, perhaps I, I am at the level that I am, whatever that, whatever that looks like. Um, it just feels... It feels uncomfortable. It doesn't come naturally to mm. talk about myself. It doesn't come naturally to post about how much how much money I make or, or how many sales I've done for the month. Um, and and it's it's to a point where uh, it's to a point where I said to my team, if if I had to, if if getting another ten listings every year meant that I had to really put some effort into social media and promote myself, I, I wouldn't do it. it. It's just not. It's just not me naturally. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I've just never really done it, talked about it, um, to the point where, yeah, as I say, if anything, I try and I try and sort of steer away from it, which mm. is probably not the right thing to do. I'm sure there's a balance there, but I, if I was to do it, I just think it needs to be done genuinely and and more akin to my my personality. Yeah. With uh, all the types of content you've seen industry related, what type of content do you see yourself resonating with and repelled by? For example, mm. uh, I'll start with repel because I, I know what I don't. I know what I don't <laughs> like. I, I I just don't. I don't love. And, and this isn't a criticism because everyone does their own thing, and there's plenty of great agents out there who do promote themselves and do it really well. I suppose what I don't like is 
I, 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 I struggle with the connection between, say, me talking about how many sales I did for, the, for this fin year, what, what, what necessarily benefit that is to the client or how, mm. how, much, how much gross commission I, I've earned. What, what, why would a client care? And if anything, I, I think there's plenty of clients around, particularly in Balmain, that would find that offensive or not, not that interesting. So I, I think what I don't like is the agents that post, you know, their their cars and their um, their watches and their nice suits and and big holidays. Um, I I just I don't know. For, for for me, it's just not that not not appealing. I don't resonate with it. Full credit to them, and 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 you know, I'm not. I don't sit around sort of leaving, losing sleep over it, but I, I, I just don't, it just doesn't sit with me. Um, I suppose what I do like is, I mean, I'm going to contradict myself here. So someone like Gav has a very good social media presence, but that's very much his style and he does it very well. So I, I, I like that. I mean, I actually don't follow, I, I follow Gav and I might follow, I, I, I follow a couple of other couple other agents who I won't won't name and then a couple of my colleagues like I went to I went to the lengths of actually unfollowing all real estate social media agents because again it just it 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 didn't it didn't serve me and also I I can sometimes get myself stuck in the comparison game Mm -hmm. where I I look at something else and I think shit I should be doing this or I should be doing that or why aren't I Mm -hmm. I here why aren't I there so I've just made a conscious effort that what's important to me is doing my best when I'm here, going home to the family and, and keeping it pretty simple. Yeah. Wow. yeah, I like that. I think I resonate that with a lot. Like obviously we, I'm pretty heavy on social media, mm. but it's not to do with that sort of stuff. It's kind of promoting, hey, look, this is what we're doing. Mm. Um, not so much the cars and stuff. Mm. Mm. But mate, this is, um, you're a wealth of knowledge that's been untapped for industry. Mm. Mate, can you give us a bit of a rundown of your journey and career so far in real estate and even before real estate, if you were doing anything mm. prior to real estate mm. after school? Yeah, so uh, so I finished school 2004. I, I uh, didn't go to university. I actually had this, this sort of odd story where my, my parents were very supportive, but they were very very adamant that whatever my UAI was, was going to determine how well I was going to do in life. You know, so if you get, <laughs> if you get, if you get 100, you're going to do really well. If you get 30, you're no good, basically. Probably not that harsh, but that, that was the sort of moral of the story. And I, I wasn't that attentive at school. I really enjoyed school, but it wasn't very academic like most real estate agents. And so at the end of school, when the envelope came with my UAI, I just tore it up into a thousand pieces. I didn't even look at the number. It wouldn't have been that good, but I didn't look at the number. And I didn't because I didn't want that number, whether it was 30 or 68 or whatever it was going to be, to determine my sort of path. So didn't look at it, jumped on a plane, moved to London because my father's wow. Scottish, so I got a British passport. So moved to London at, at 18 and a bit and was just bartending for, for two years um, throughout London, Canada. I lived on Hamilton Island for five months. I was a bit of a nomad, just cruising around, just bartending, just trying to get get a feel for what I wanted to do. Best drink you you made back in your day? Oh, mojito. Do I make a make a mean mojito? <laughs> yeah. Um, so so that was a, that was a great experience at, at at a pretty young age, traveling, having to pay rent and you know wash my clothes and wow. 
get around. And, and so, so that gave me what I think was good life experience um, at that age. So that, that was really helpful. Came back and I'd met my now wife and I thought to myself, well, my plan is to propose. I don't really want to propose. I'm a sort of bartender salary. I need to pull my finger out here and work out what I'm going to do. And it's just that classic story. Someone said to me, why don't you give real estate a crack? And I, like most, thought you know, wearing a suit most days would be pretty nice. And, and um, so I, I got, into, got into real estate in 2010. And uh, basically, I, I was pretty impatient. You know, how old was I then? Uh, must have been 23, 20, 23, 24. And I thought that I could probably do a lot more than what I, what I probably was able to do. But I was pretty determined. And I remember at the time, Damien Cooley was the head auctioneer for the business I was working at at the time. Young guy, doing really well, successful. And so I, I had a coffee with Damien in, in Double Bay and I said, mate, I just need to pick your brain. I'm desperate to do well. I need some advice. Anything you can share with me would be really helpful. And he said to me, he said to me two things. They were pretty simple, but I, I still share this with other people that I do speak with because I, I found it to be very helpful. So he said, just do two things really well and, and the rest will take care of itself. First thing it was, be, be a nice guy. Like be someone that people want to deal with. I know that sounds really simple, but in a service industry, mm-hmm. and I came from, as I say, hospitality, be, be someone that people want to deal with because there, there's plenty of people out there in this industry that, that I don't think take that philosophy and give an experience where someone wants to come back or talk about it. So I think just be, be the person that people want to deal with in a very emotive, strenuous, um, high stakes scenario. So be, just be a good person, pretty simple. And then the second thing was look after buyers. He said, because you've got no listings right now, so you, 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 no one's going to list with you. Why would anyone list with you? So look after buyers. So I said, okay. So I went away and um, I was working in that business for probably probably a year. And I was you know, being a nice guy, looking after buyers. And then I remember one day I, I'd seen this bloke driving around Balmain in this black Audi, number plates, AO430, right? It's Adrian. <laughs> so he's driving around Balmain, this cool Audi A5. I'm thinking, shit, this bloke's obviously doing pretty well. Young guy, he's got plenty of listings. And and then I worked out that he was actually a buyer. So I thought, well, good opportunity. I'll, just, I'll look after Adrian as a, as a buyer. You know, I was at a competing agency, but I thought I'll just, I'll just do the right thing and look after him. So anyway, so long story short, he ended up bidding at one of our auctions and he missed out. He was the underbidder. So I called him after and I said, look... Um, I, I know that you know a lot more than I do, but equally, if we've got anything coming up, I'll mention it. Um, you know, anything I can do to help, you know, ha- happy to do so. And then a few days later, that the principals of that business called me and said, "Look, heard you're pretty sharp. Why don't you come and talk to us?" Wow. And and they were fierce rivals at the time. Those two those two businesses. And um, so Adrian put in a good word. Long story short, I, I jumped uh, over to the business that Adrian was in um, as a sort of junior and. And I guess that's where mine and Adrian's relationship started from, which was, as I say, 2010. So we go, we go a while back. And I mean, at that time he was writing a million bucks and I was still trying yeah. to work out how to spell exchange. <laughs> so we were at pretty sort of different, different um, points in our career. But, but he's been very pivotal in, in guiding me through 
particularly those early parts of my career, and and, and even now, he's been a a mentor, a, a, an older brother figure almost. Um, so yeah, so so I started in in that business. Uh, a couple of years into it, I I was building up enough momentum to, to go out on my own, and and then got to a point where Adrian left the business and to, to come to Bressie Whitney. And at the time, I'm just trying to think of the timeline. At the time, my wife and I had just bought our first place and we had a baby. And the business that Adrian and I were in had like 40% market share. And the business that Adrian went to had no office, no market share. So it just felt like too big a risk at the time to jump ship with a new baby, new mm. house, et cetera, et cetera. So then um, 18 months later, I, Adrian and I kept in touch. I was monitoring what he was doing. And um, I made the decision for cultural reasons, let, let's put it that way, to, to, to join. And that was uh, almost eight years ago now. And as I say, now I'm one of the, the shareholders and the directors here in the business. And wow. um, yeah, so it's been, a, it's been a good journey. What was the tipping point? For, for me to leave? Not, not so much to leave, but when you started, everyone goes through that stage where they're doing okay. Mm. And then everything changes mm. and, and, it, and it really starts to hit some real serious momentum. Yes. What was the tipping point? What changed? Um, I, I think I'm pretty disciplined by nature in terms of, or I suppose everything I do in life, training, eating, making phone calls. Um, like I, I like I like structure. I know exactly what my day looks like. I know exactly what the next 12 months looks like. I've got holidays booked. Everything's in the diary. I'm I'm a bit obsessive like that. So, I suppose because I didn't have profile back in the day, my 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 tipping point was really just being super consistent around making the calls, looking after buyers, and then and then I suppose over time, eventually, it got to a point where, you know, people would start talking about me. They might refer me to a friend. Um, but it, it, it took a little while. It, it, it probably took sort of five years, I think, to get to a point where I had some form of traction, some form of momentum, a mm. little bit of profile. Um, but but it's it, it's been a yeah you know, it's been a long longer journey. Um, but um, I, I can't I, I couldn't really sort of pinpoint a, a tipping point as such. But it was more just about. Every day, making the calls, doing the right thing, and just knowing that if I did those things, it would all sort of, you know, eventually work out. Yeah, yeah. keeping the process pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of hours, I'm having this debate with a couple of guys at the moment. In terms of hours and the hours you put in to become successful, how many hours do you have to be doing a day? Like, is there a is there a magic number where you have to be putting in that certain amount of hours to really hit momentum? And this, and I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about when you're coming up the ranks. Mm. I, yeah, it's a good question. I, I'm probably a bit old school in the sense that I do think that there, there's a a certain level of commitment that is required, particularly in the early days, mm. because you have nothing else. You have no profile. You have no mm. track record. So why would someone want to list with you? I remember one of the first listing appointments I went into, I said to the guy flat out, I don't have the track record, the experience, the knowledge that the other person, the other agent you're talking to has. I'll, I'll acknowledge that. But I will out-hustle them, I'll outwork them, and I'm happy to do it for a, a discounted rate because I don't think I deserve to be paid 2% because I'm, I'm not a 2% agent at this point. 
Um, so in the early days, and I suppose it was easier back then with no kids, I, I, would, I would work pretty long hours. You know, I'd be in by 7.30, leave by 7.30 the next night. But for me, you know, I guess, unfortunately or fortunately, the, the, this is very much a lifestyle. You know, it's not a, it's not a role that, that, that turns on or off, um, you know, even on holidays. And, and that's probably my one big gripe with this job. Even on holidays, you're on. It's, but but only if you want to be. And and I I make that decision every day that I take this seriously. I enjoy what I do. I want to be good at it. And therefore, a certain level of you know, mm. commitment is required. So in answer to your question, in the early days, it was grinding. I've done six days a week since I started. Um, I should probably look at look at changing that now. Um, but yeah, I, I would say it definitely requires a certain level of commitment. And um, I don't think there's a set you know hour period but but it is definitely time energy effort um and and sacrifice sacrifice when your mates knock off at four o'clock and they're at the pub um you've got to you've got to make the decision you know how how badly do you want it and i wanted it badly and i still want it badly so um yeah it's 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 effort yeah Mm. just to give us a bit of perspective to where you've come and where you are now are you able to share with us a bit about the numbers you've you've done over the last financial year? Yes, yeah. So, again, I, I don't even track this that closely either. But um, so fin year I've done, I, th- I think it's I think it's 3.2, 3.2 something wow. in gross fees. Um, this, this calendar year so far, we've done 55 sales as of today. So the, the goal is to crack 100, which, which I think is possible. Um, it's certainly, it's certainly a team effort. So I've got, I've got, it's, it's myself, and then I've got Brandon and Meredy, who are, who, who are agents within my team. We, mm. we, we don't sort of talk about juniors or associates. I mean, they are, they are just agents within my team. And then I've got Genevieve, who's my full time sort of team manager. So she sort of runs the show in the background. So, um, yeah, I mean, th- this was, th- this was definitely my my best my best year to date. Um, you know, I. I in terms of sort of what the future looks like, numbers, gross fees, I, again, I, I have a view, rightly or wrongly, that there is, because of that commitment piece, I, I believe that there's a there's a point where you can push super hard and then beyond that, other things need to be sacrificed, mainly, mainly my personal life, which is my, my wife and my four kids. So I don't have, as I say, I'm bloody determined and I'll work till I'm blue in the face, but I also recognise that to get to four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten million, it would mean that my family would, would suffer and I'm not prepared to do that. I would much prefer to have, you know, a really comfortable, enjoyable life where I can still have my, you know, five or six breaks every year, send the kids to school, and and have a, a great relationship with my wife and, and and know that that's that's enough. Yeah. What what does your life look like now to be able to sustain the level of um, success, energy, everything right now? Like in terms of what's your daily structure, mm. wife, kids, gym, mm. all that sort of stuff. It, it's it's fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you. It, it Do is. you ever face burnout? Uh, I, I actually reckon I'm at that point right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm cooked. Yeah. If, if I'm very honest. Yeah. Um, look, it doesn't help that. We, we've just sold, we've just moved house, all my kids are sick. 
it, it's a bit of a storm at the moment. Um, do I face burnout? Look, I, I again, a few years ago, I, I was getting to a point where I was running at a pretty fast pace, didn't quite know how to, how to handle the volume, the pressure of, um, you know, be, being, a, being a full-time agent doing decent numbers and having and, and wanting to have and, and having uh, you know a partner and and multiple children at home is it's it's a lot to do because like a couple of my colleagues were saying the other day they can't wait to get home on a Saturday because they they just they're done and they just want to sit on the couch and do nothing now I can't do that right I get home <laughs> and it's like my second job starts mm-hmm. um, my kids are still very young so they're not sleeping through the night so last night I went to bed at midnight one of them got up at two. The other one got in. One, one of the other ones got into the bed at three. Then my alarm goes off at four forty-five to go to the gym. Oh right! And again, I've just got to make that decision. Do I? How badly do I want it? And I was so tired, desperate to roll over, but I dragged my ass out of bed and, and went to the gym. Yeah. So, in, in answer to your question around my routine, um, I I train three or four mornings a week. Alarm goes off at four forty-five. Uh, I'm out the door. I'm home by six. Um, and, and I guess the idea behind that is. So that, so that my wife can have as much support as possible. I'm home by the time anyone wakes up. So it doesn't mm. sort of interrupt her, her day. So home, I'll do the... What's um, to interrupt? What yes. training do you do in the morning? Uh, I was doing F45 for a, a few years, but it was sort of wearing a bit thin. I was getting a bit bored. So I just joined a CrossFit gym of all things. Wow. Okay. Yeah, which is actually pretty intense. Yeah? Yeah, some seriously fit people there. But, <laughs> but it's enjoyable. It's a, it's a good challenge. Good. Yeah. Good, good. So, um, yeah, tra- train in the morning, home by six. I'll do the, the three big kids' lunches who go to, to school or, or preschool. Devon um, and tomato sauce or is it upgraded now? Oh, You're no, in no, no there, there's, it's, it's a little bit more <laughs> exotic than that. Um, so I'll, I'll do the lunches. I'll get the baby up, change nappy, get them all fed, ready for school. My wife will have a shower. She'll come down. I'll have a shower. And then, I'll, again, I used to get in the office early, you know, 7, 7.30, now I'll do the school run three mornings a week, um, and, and and just be a bit more bit more present at home in the morning to, to help to help out my wife. So I, I won't get into the office till probably nine most days, which is, which is a bit later than I'd probably like. But but again, I probably could get here at eight, but it would mean that you know, mm. I wouldn't see my kids and my wife would wouldn't be that thrilled, and yeah. it just it's not for a, not for a good home life. So yeah. home sorry into the office circa nine. And then it just means that, you know, my time is so precious now. I've really got to make the most of that, the, the time that I am here. So I, I know what I'm doing the night before. Um, I'm super structured with my calls. I, I know what calls I'm doing the next day. And, and I, I really do, I guess, the typical sort of AM, PM thing. So AM in the office, making calls, and then PM out doing appointments, open homes, listing appointments, etc. And then... I'll do late appointments if I have to, like if it's someone signing up or something like that, I'll do late appointments, but I'm typically home by sort of 6, 6.30 yep. to then jump back into dinner, bath, bed, et cetera, et cetera. So you're home by 6.30? Try and get home by 6.30. Not yeah, every right. night. Yeah. Not every night. Yeah. Um, and calls, are you calling the database or are the agents within your team calling your database or a bit of a mixture? Uh, no, I call my own database. I mean, whilst we have a shared system that we all have access to, Meredith and Brandon have their own contacts that they, they nurture and call. And I have, mm-hmm. um, I've got about 2,000 contacts in my database that, that, that I call on a pretty regular basis. Wow. Yeah, so it's not, yeah, it's, it's not other people calling my contacts. Yep. And I think that's probably how I've managed to, um, you know, a, a lot of my business is, 
is is people that I've chased for years just because mm. of the, the persistence point of view. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I, I do most of the calling. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another question that's on everyone's mind right now: the market. Mm. Where do you see the market going? I know it's a tough question. Yeah. But where do you see the market going? Uh, that is a good question. Um, and, and I suppose it depends on what market you're talking about. Um, Let's say Sydney in general. Yeah. Look, I, I think it's probably fair to say that if the experts are right, there's probably a little bit more pain to come over the next mm. six months. Um, and then I, I, I have a sort of personal view that, you know, as someone pointed out, the environment that we've been in for the last two years is not normal no. in terms of interest rates, auction clearance rates as high as they've been, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So it's just tricky because we all became very accustomed to that and that felt like the norm, but that's not actually the norm. The norm is higher interest rates, mm. an auction clearance rate at probably 50 or 55%, not 80% or not 30%. Yeah. So I think once the market buyers, agents, sellers, et cetera, become more comfortable that that's the new norm, I, I think it will it will become a sort of stagnant market where it just sort of settles for a period. And then, of course, whenever that is, two, three, five years' time, it'll, it'll probably kick off again. But I, I, I have a, a more sort of longer-term view as, a, as an agent and even as a consumer. As I said, my wife and I just sold. We're, we're technically buyers now. We, we would still buy now because whatever we mm. buy now will sit in for 10 years. And, yep. and again, I sort of you know, take the view that you cannot, you cannot pick the bottom of the market and have the perfect house pop up and have no one else want to buy it as well. Yeah. So oh, look, I, I think there are definitely people out there who feel anxious right now, which which is mm. fine. I understand that. Um, but I, I think there's probably a bit more pain to come for the next six months, and then hopefully yeah. it just sort of settles and we and we become more accustomed to it. Mm. Yeah. Something um, off the back of what you just said, then transitioning to a marketplace where agents, buyers, and vendors are feeling anxious. And you've just mentioned you're leading into a period where you're starting to feel a little bit of burnout. Mm. What are some things you've done in the past or can recommend all of us do when you're in that situation? Mm. Um, I, I just try and go back to the, the, the sort of handful of basics that I know help me, um, as Ivan Bresic would say, work from centre. You know, and, mm. and, and that's actually that... that that line he said years ago, and I, I always think about it because particularly in this in this game where it's high emotions, high stakes, pressure, big hours, et cetera, et cetera, if, you, if you're too high all the time talking about how wonderful you are, inevitably, you know, you, you get shot down. Equally, if you're, if you're too negative and it's, you know, it's, it's always the comparison game, it's hard to sort of get back up again. So I think mm. I, I, I try and get back to some of the basics that I find help me work from center which is like i did a meditation course um probably five years ago now which again was a a recommendation from ivan and mcclay longhurst and i did it together and again it was at a point where yeah my life was getting busier work was getting busier more kids more pressure and i i i found myself feeling overwhelmed probably more 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 than i wanted to be and as i say because of my nature i prefer to just to sort of keep Keep calm, keep steady. So I did this meditation course and whenever I feel myself uncomfortable or, or, or I can feel myself feeling tense or stressed, I, I jump back into meditation and, and it really helps. Um, mm-hmm. 
So I try and meditate every day, sometimes even twice a day if I can, but but typically every day for at least 20 minutes. Wow. Um, what When during the day would you do that usually? Around, around two o'clock. If, okay. it, if it's too early in the day, I've got too much to do and I'm sort of not yeah. in the right headspace. If it's too late in the day, I'll probably just fall asleep. Um, so after lunch um, and before three o'clock is, is the sort of time when I do it. I actually just jump in my car. I just do it in my car. We have a garage, so we're pretty lucky. So I just jump in my car because otherwise it's too too noisy up here. Yeah. Jump in my car, 20 minutes, I've got an app. And it just helps uh, calm. Calm, calm. Cool. It just helps me, it just helps me reset. And again, I, I won't go into the sort of, you know, the boring detail of it all, but but the, the idea behind taking that time just to settle in, in fact, actually gives you more, it's like a springboard into the afternoon. So I know that if I meditate at two o'clock and I've got an afternoon appointments and then I've got to go home to four crazy kids tearing the house down, I, I need energy for that and I need to be in the right headspace. So if I can do that, reset myself, mm. knock off my appointments, feel pretty good about that and go home in the right headspace, then then that's that's helpful for me. So So meditation, diet, I've never, I never drink during the week, so I just, I just always made a rule that, you know, glass of wine or beer. I just never ever drink during the week, school nights. Um, I'll enjoy a glass of wine on on Saturday night or whatever it may be, nothing too wild. Um, so I don't drink alcohol during the week. As I say, I train. Um, I charge my phone not in our bedroom. Now I know that's a small thing, but again, this was a tip from Ivan. Like, if if you charge your phone next to your bed, inevitably you're going to sit there and scroll and get caught in the the rabbit hole of YouTube mm. watching cats or something weird, right? <laughs> um, so phone gets charged elsewhere, and I try and read ten pages. I, I'm not a natural reader; like I'd probably prefer to watch yeah. car videos on YouTube or something. But I, I find that if I can read ten pages, and I and I do that because my phone's not there, so it's I'm sort of forced to do it. So read 10 pages and fall asleep. I find that pretty helpful. So it's really just, um, as I say, meditation, training, eat, eat as well as I can. Um, I'm really close to my family. Like I see my family you know, every week or every fortnight. As I said, I've got a wonderful wife, four great kids. So if I can, if I can do some of those smaller things, it just helps me manage um, the, the busy life that I have, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, coming back to the changing market, mm. what are you doing? Are you doing anything different mm. from a, a real estate uh, point of view? I've I've probably I've probably slowed down to to speed up, if that makes sense. And I suppose what I mean by that is, rather than you know in in March, right, or, or February when the market was really flying, you you could you could move at such a pace where it was all just sort of happening anyway, mm. and you could not not cut corners, but you didn't have to have as much detail with a client, um, as much time. Whereas now, now I'm having to slow down and, and really go back to some of those basics. Like, uh, like last night I had a, a long Zoom call with a couple who are unfortunately separating. Their house is going on the market today. So I guess when the market's firing and everything's sort of happy days, you take photos, stick them on the web and away you go. Whereas now it was really important that I actually spoke to them in detail last night about what the next few weeks looks like. Mm. what to expect what does our strategy look like um what are we going to do if we're not in the right space in two weeks time you know and and just taking the time to set it up properly which i know will pay dividends in the next few weeks so i'm just taking a bit more time with each client lots more communication Mm. um but 
I, I think, you know, as my experience has developed and, I, and I've been in the game longer, that sort of stuff has become a bit easier. Like if you take it to the next level, which is Adrian, he's been doing it for 20 years, like the bloke could, the bloke could sell you that microphone. You know, <laughs> um, so as, as time develops and as you, as you become more comfortable with what you're doing, mm. it becomes easier. And I have found that, but, but I've still, I'm still learning and, the, and there's still plenty of room for growth. So, but, but now in answer to your question in a changing market, I'm just taking more time, more support. Like some of my days on market has, has extended a little, but at the end of the day, the clients feel so much support and, and no pressure that whether they get X, Y, or Z in terms of the actual outcome, they're raving fans, they're referring, they're sending great mm. testimonials. So if it means that it takes me five weeks, not three weeks, I'm cool with that because it means that I've got a happy a happy client at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, It's actually an interesting point because you see a lot of agents, I see a lot of agents rush to sell quickly to avoid their reputation of selling long mm. in the marketplace. Mm. Um, so it's an interesting point I, where you... I've got one going through today that's been on the market for six months, the, the longest campaign I've ever had. Wow. Jeez. But these clients I've sold for three times. I've sold two of them twice. I actually sold this house to them 10 years ago. And like, it's been pretty arduous. Six months is a long time. Mm. Like, what, mm. do you, what do you say after, after yeah. three months? Um, but they're, like, they're, they're, they're raving fans. They're, they're so appreciative. They've referred me to someone in the meantime. So rather than wow. me trying to sort of you know, bash them over the head and say, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? I, I've done my very best to educate them, but they weren't ready to be educated. So I've just mm-hmm. supported them and said, look, look let's keep going. Mm. It's exchanging today, touch wood. Um, and uh, so yeah, it just takes a little bit of time. That's such a great point. I heard it at Eric, one of the speakers said, when you're faced with a problem, try and use that problem to create a raving fan. <clears throat> and it's so easy when we're in a problem like that to mm. think, oh, we should mm. you know, mm. manage this problem crawling. differently, but you've got a referral out of it. So mm. yeah. Mm. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, um, a, again, particularly Balmain is, I suppose all I can speak of, but Balmain's a very small world. Everyone knows everyone, everyone knows everything <laughs> about everyone. So I, I just learned from the very beginning, again, I suppose going back to Damien Cooley's advice, mm. do the right thing, be a good person because you just never know how that's going to come back. So out of curiosity, I've got this issue with, with um, a listing at the moment. Mm. If you've got a client and they're nice people, great mm. people, but they're not listening to the market, mm. to what you're saying, um, they don't want to be educated at the moment. You don't take them off the market, you'll continue to mm. pursue, even though it may be hundreds of thousands of dollars above where the market's actually sitting. Mm. Uh, yeah, good question. I, I suppose it depends on, it depends, well, primarily on their motivation. I mean, mm. if they're absolutely not motivated at all, then you've got to ask yourself, like, are, are you, are you, are you trying to push shit uphill? Mm. Um, I, I find what's helpful is giving a, a client options because then mm. effectively what you're doing is, is removing the pressure from yourself and putting it back on them. So as an example, the one I'm selling today we're, we're four months in, I've met with them a few times, we're going nowhere, we've pushed the auction back, we've dropped the guide, we've, we've done everything to try and engage the market, nothing doing. So then I, I send them an email, a very supportive one, but, but relatively direct. And I say, um, I say guys, here, here's, here are three options. I'll support whichever one you want to do, but, but it's important that I think we should do something. Mm. Um, he, here are the three options. 
Option one is we have a bid on the table and, and we consider engaging with that buyer. I know it's a lot lower than where you want to be, but there is actually an option there to consider a sale. So that's option one. Option two is we try and find you a tenant and we attempt the sale again in six or 12 months time, whenever you feel comfortable. Option three is we go to the lengths of restyling it. Let's call it a two bedroom house instead of a three bedroom house. Let's paint the fence white because it's starting to look shabby. You know, let, let, let's do something to re, reignite, reinvigorate the campaign. Here are your three options. I'll support whatever you want to do. If I had to give you a recommendation, I'd probably try and engage with a buyer. And I only say that because we're four months in, we're not week one. Mm. So I'm not, not trying to press you to consider a bid that you don't want to, but, but here are your options. I'll support whatever you want to do. Let's jump on a call in an hour and we can discuss. So then they came back, Andrew, we can't rent it. So let's not have that discussion. We can't rent it. We've bought elsewhere. We're committed to selling it. So that's, that option's off the table. Cool, okay. What about option three? Are you interested in investing more to see if we can go down a different path and re-engage the market? No, we've got no more money. We don't want to do that. We want to sell it. Okay, so is it fair to say that option one is now something you're interested in talking about? Well, yes, I, I guess it is. So it, it's almost them, you know, it, it, it's it's them sort of acknowledging that that you know well they have options. Mm. All, everyone's always got options, but the the other two options were things that they didn't want to discuss. So as I say, rather than telling someone that they should accept a lot less than what they want to, I, I find it helpful to educate in a different way, which is a more sort of supportive, giving options. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as Hadrian said to me many years ago. That the more you try and force a deal that's not ready to be forced, it's never going to happen. Mm. It's never going to happen. And, and a vendor, more often than not, will, will do the right thing at the right time. Sometimes that happens day two. Sometimes it happens day 102. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. It seems uh, between your network and what you've learned and acquired over the years, you must have some either core principles or values that attribute to what success looks like for you. Could you share, I'm very curious to learn, what does success look like to you and what are the principles and the foundations you follow mm. or the values that underpin that? Mm. In, in real estate or in life? Both. Both. Mm. Um, look, I, I think for me, um, I, I think for me, like humility is a really big one, which which accounts for for both personal and 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 business. Um, I I don't know why it's so important. My, my parents are pretty pretty humble people. They've done really well, but they're pretty humble. And um, I I think you know different people resonate with with different styles. Adrian and I, whilst we're we're very close and have been for a long time, we we have a very different style and and different different. Um, Clients are attracted to him and, and think he's pretty wonderful and think I'm soft and, 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 <laughs> and vice versa. So I think you just got to pick your mark and, and play play the game that you want to play and not try and do something that, that doesn't feel right. Mm. Um, but I, I think humility is a big one for me. Um, again, I've just experienced too many times the the idea that if you do the right thing by someone, it eventually you know pays itself back at some point in time. So doing the right thing by people. Consistency is a big one. I think consistency is one that, you know, is that that's the difference between anything in life, whether it's diet, exercise, relationship, anyone can be good for, for a minute or, or 30 days. But I think, um, you know, 
consistency is one that I think if you consider all the top performers in the industry probably have that common trait, which is they, they do it, they do it well, and they do it for a long time and, and, and they, they stick to that, that sort of model. So I think consistency, humility, doing the right thing. Um, I don't take myself too seriously. Um, and, and again, I, I also want to enjoy the, the, the balance of life as much as I can, as I say, with, with a busy personal life. But I, I place a huge amount of importance on uh, holidays and, and breaks because, you know, when I am working six days a week and I can't be there as much as I'd like to be, I know that in four weeks' time, like in two weeks' time, I'm taking the kids skiing for, for, for mm. 10 days. Now, that, that doesn't necessarily... I don't want that to necessarily make up for mm. the time that I'm not at home, but but it's, it's something for us all to do and, and, and to look forward to. So um, just try and balance things out as much as I can. Is what? there anything you do for yourself during that period? Uh, yeah, good question. <laughs> not, not really, not really. And, and, and look, I'm just in the stage of life where th- there's not a lot of time for that. Mm. Now, there, maybe there should be, maybe there should be, Look, there probably should be. Um, I suppose that you know my, my fifty minutes in the morning at the gym is probably probably the time to myself. Um, my twenty minutes of meditation is time to myself. I, I, I would love, I would love for both my wife and I to have more time to, to do certain things that that sort of fill our cup, so to speak. Um, I just think we're in a tricky period where we've got, as I say, we've got a one year old. A four-year-old, a six-year-old, and an eight-year-old. We, we've just on. we've got a lot on, and this is just that period of our life where you know the, the, the kids come first, and and um, that's just the decision we've made. So you know, mm. we, we we try and do little things like I'll I'll you know book Amy in for a facial or a massage, or you know I've got I've booked her in for a, a dinner with one of one of her girlfriends in a couple of weeks' time. So we try and do little things where we can, but it, it, it is hard. It, it is actually pretty hard to try and fit it all in. So yeah. in answer to your question, no, there's not a lot I do for myself. Um, I, I would like to think that once the kids are a little bit older and, and we've got a bit more routine and, and everyone sort of sleeps mm. through the night, um, we can probably focus on that a little bit more. Yeah. What, do you, what do you do before the kids when you burnt out? Like, um, the, Let's say you had a holiday book, but you were burning out before the holiday. Mm. What happens? Um. I, I don't think I ever really got burnt out before the kids. Yeah. Because I, I enjoyed the work so much. I was so determined to do whatever it took to to, to succeed. I worked really long hours. Um, and the sacrifice didn't feel like that much of a sacrifice because I suppose selfishly it was just Amy and I. Whereas mm. um, the, the, the burnout now comes from, as I say, you know, after like I speak to McClay pretty regularly and you know, he says to me the same thing. He says, mate, when I go home at night, like, I, I can't I can't even talk. Like I'm just that <laughs> I'm spent. Um, so I think that the burnout is now where I've got the sort of the double whammy of a, a busy, busy work life and a busy home life. Mm. I, I don't remember getting burnt out before that because okay. I was as I say, I was well, a bit younger and and pretty determined just to make it work and, and um, I, I enjoyed it so much it didn't really feel like burnout. Yeah. 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 I think um, another thing where a lot of agents are kind of struggling with, um, maybe not even so much burnout at the moment, but a lot of agents are obviously finding it a lot tougher mm. now. Mm. Um, like I'm seeing, especially some of my some people that I know, that they were doing good numbers and now some of them haven't sold anything for a month or two. Mm. And I know someone that's kind of faltering on the line of, hey, what do I do next? Yep. What would your advice to be, uh, be to people in real estate that are, 
kind of teetering on the fence around what their next move is if they jump out of real estate, if they keep going. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that is tough. And, and I even experience those moments too sometimes where mm. um, like I remember in March, you know, I, I had my record month, whatever, um, and everyone was, you know, giving me high fives and shit, <laughs> which was nice. But, but I, I, I just know from experience that you can go from there to, to, to nowhere mm. in, in four weeks. Yeah. So, again, I try and keep my feet on the ground, don't focus on it too much. Um, but in terms of how to deal with this new environment that we're in, which, you know, is a lot more challenging than, what we, again, what we all became accustomed to, I, I think... I think you have to, um, a couple of things. I think you have to be kind to yourself because it, it is bloody hard. It is bloody hard. You, you cannot, you can't force someone to sell if they're not ready to sell. So there's only so much you can do. Um, I, I think I, I heard someone say, um, we, we, the theme was talking about whether it's interest rates, COVID numbers, whatever it may be, you, you, this gentleman was talking about surrendering to, to to these external factors you have no control over. And it's a bit like that saying, John McGrath, you know, there's two markets, there's one in between your ears and then there's one that's external. Mm. You can control what's in between your ears. You cannot control what Philip Lowe says at the next you know, RBA board meeting. You, yeah. you can't control you know, the next three cases of monkeypox that are going to come up next week. So I think surrendering to the external noise I think is really important if, if you're in a headspace that, that's, um, that's, that's got some sort of choppy waters. And, and I, again, I, I'm terrible. I look at so, you know, social media and, and media all day long and, and mm. sometimes I think, oh, fuck, this market's, mm. market's terrible. Yeah. Um, so I think tr- trying to remove a lot of that, a lot of that noise and a lot mm. of that external stuff that you cannot control because whether you read one article or 1,500 articles, interest rates are rising and that, that's just a fact. Yeah. So, so I think... Surrendering to those things because you can't control them and then having a bit of faith that if you do the fundamentals and you're consistent around things like prospecting, you, you will you will do still you still do business because yep. people still have to buy and sell. There's no doubt about it. They're like pe- People will still do really well in this market but the, the hard part is when the market's good and it gives you that natural energy because there's you know, deal flow – it's it's easier to be more proactive because you can you can see those sort of short-term wins. Whereas right now, I know that if I take the attitude of, fuck, it's a bit hard, I might take my foot off the gas um, and I'll just sort of hope that things pick up in spring. I know that if I don't do the work now, that very much affects my spring. Mm. So I think if, if you're faltering or if you're wavering or if you're finding it hard, I guess the unfortunate answer is you have to still do the work because mm. even if you don't see an immediate result, I can guarantee you in 90 days you will. And, mm. and again, a lot of my business comes from just being persistent. Yeah. Like I got a call yesterday from a, a, a seller. Um, uh, he actually, I met him eight years ago. Like my notes are pretty detailed. So I met him eight years ago at an open home. He bought a house through a competitor he then used that competitor to, to, to sell his house in Roselle. And I kept him on my database. I've called him every four months, every six months, let him know what's sold, sent him my weekly market report. Like my notes are, like they're almost a bit borderline yeah, obsessive. That's relentless. Yeah. And he called me yesterday and he said, mate, we've decided to sell now. We were going to buy first. We're going to sell first. We feel, we feel like that's a better move in this market. Chatting away. And I said, um, I said, Brendan, can I ask? 
when, when we meet tomorrow, oh, just so I can come prepared, are, are, you, are you about to go through a sort of lengthy interview process? Or, or if we went through everything yesterday and you felt comfortable with what I had to say, you'd feel confident and comfortable appointing myself in Bressie Whitney. He said, no, mate, we're not talking to anyone else. You've been great. You've been persistent. You've called me relentlessly. Um, yeah, as long as there's no surprises tomorrow and you're not going to charge me 3%, then you know, <laughs> let, let's, let's rock and roll tomorrow. So I think... Wow. Um, and and, and like that, that is, that's hard to explain to someone that's perhaps early days or, or going through a rough patch because it's not an instant reward and I'm impatient like everyone I, I, I want that listing yesterday mm. it's just not the way it works yeah. so I think you know if, if you're in a dark spot and I've been in there before as well you, you just have to remember again get back to the basics mm. stick to your diet if, if that's important to you if yep. you want to train train do, do, do the things that, that, that fill your cup and, and make you feel um, good about yourself and, and yep. your environment and then Make 20 calls a day, make 50 calls a day, make 15 calls a day. Do whatever you're going to do, but do it consistently because whatever you do now has a major impact on the next 90 days. For sure. Yeah. For sure. That's massive. What, um, what, what was been the hardest part of your career and the toughest or the darkest place you've had to navigate? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I... Because it's funny, we always speak about the highs, mm. but we you never see the lows. The lows. Yeah. Mm. I, I think the, the the biggest challenge I have had, and probably continue to have to a certain extent, but I, I've I've done some things to alleviate um, alleviate these things is is the comparison game. Like yep. I find that so hard. I'm the same. I find it hard because whether you're selling three year or 253 year there's always someone doing better or worse than you so it depends on depends on how you look at it you can you can play the comparison game and make yourself feel really good or more often than not you can play the comparison game and make yourself feel like shit mm. like again Ivan used to say to me comparison is the thief of joy you, mm. you, you can't really compare yourself to someone and get much good out of it mm. so I, I remember and I, I, I sat in this boardroom and I, and I told Adrian about it. I was really upset about it, actually, because I, I remember there was a period where I wasn't doing very well and Adrian was flying, flying. <laughs> and, and, and he was telling everyone about it, too. <laughs> and um, and I, I felt like shit. I, 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 felt, I felt terrible for two reasons. I felt terrible because I was comparing myself to him. Mm. And I also felt really terrible that that I, I couldn't I couldn't feel joy for my mate that was that was doing really well. It was all about me. So I I've made decisions over the last few years to try and um, to try and just focus on myself. Not not from a, a selfish you know uh, narcissistic point of view, but but it, I think as I said, I, I just can't. I can't get into that headspace where I'm looking at others, comparing myself. It just doesn't help me at all. There's, there's that classic photo of. Um, I think it's Michael Phelps and he's doing butterfly and he's, he's winning and that these, these two competitors, no, it must be freestyle. The two competitors swimming alongside and behind it, but they're both watching Michael and he's just out in front, just focusing on the finish line. And so I, I, I like, for example, um, because I'm one of the directors in the business, every, every month, the numbers come out of every single agent in the business. And I'm fortunate enough to hover at the, the, the top of the, the, the list, not not perhaps not number one, Fred McClay, but, but you know t- towards the top of the list. 
but but no matter whether I was number four or number two, I'll always think it's not good enough. Mm. So I don't look at those numbers anymore because like it shouldn't matter what Adrian's doing, what Jack's doing. It should just matter what I'm doing. So I've I'll probably I'll probably change it at some point when I can mentally look at those numbers and not have that those questions in my head. But as I say, I I don't. I don't look at what anyone else is doing because it, it doesn't help me. As I say, I don't follow any agents on social media um, except for a couple that I find probably more empowering than anything else. Mm. Um, I, I I try and focus on, as I say, just having really good people around me. Adrian, I've got a, a business coach. My wife's unbelievably supportive. Um, my brother and I, we're, we're best mates. We speak four times a day. Um, so I, I, I try and keep my, my circle pretty tight. I, I'm not out like again. I mean, I've got young kids, so I wouldn't I'm, I couldn't do it anyway. But I'm not out there at the latest you know restaurant launch clubs, um, carrying on. I, I keep a pretty simple life. So I think you know in in order to stay sort of grounded and, and keep focused, I just try and remove as much distraction as possible. Yeah, mm, yeah, beautiful. Pretty boring, um, mate. It works. And that's the main thing. Mm. Um, my last question for you, and it usually is the last question, what would be your number one uh, piece of advice be for someone coming up the ranks? Mm. Um, I, I think coming up the ranks is, is, is challenging. Um, I, I found it really challenging in, in this market because I was pretty young at the time. All my competitors were, were principals, owner of businesses. So, you know, again, why, why would someone list with me when they could list with Joe Blow, who's got 20 years' experience in a, and a track record and they own the business? Um, so I, I had to learn patience. And mm. I think that's a really big thing for agents coming up is everyone wants everything now. And, and again, as I said, I can give you 10 examples of some of my clients who... I've been speaking to for years, years. And, and that is the hard part. Like most agents want to prospect and in three months' time, if nothing comes of it, you know, end of story. Or, or if someone's not ready to sell in three months, that they just won't keep chasing. Whereas I've just learned that persistence and patience and consistency, that they're the things that have helped me have um, a more robust business now where I get, you know, probably more calls in than I have to make out. I, I still make plenty of calls out, but I, I'm now at a point where I've got some profile, I've got some mm. referrals and, and you know, th- th- there's more sort of focus on me than necessarily me having to chase as hard. So I think, mm. I think the, 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 the advice I'd give is, I'd probably repeat Damien's, Damien's advice, be a good person, look yeah. after buyers and just be patient. Beautiful. Yeah. Legendary. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Beautiful. All right. perfect. Legend. Well Thanks, James. Thank you, Andrew. Have First been. podcast done and dusted. Unreal. Oh, it was awesome. Killer. Oh. Mate, thank you so much. Pleasure. Yeah, thank you.